Bay FM 99.9. How does that make you feel? And we may as well take this opportunity to say hello, Lainey Chait. Hi. You're no stranger to community radio. No. Um, give us a little bit about your background here on in Bay FM. Well, you and I started together. I don't know how long ago that was. When? 2009? Yes. Yeah. We fell in love with each other and the station. And uh, I had a show for many years called The Booty Call. And uh, it uh, caused a bit of controversy at the beginning. And then it was welcomed with open arms. Just a... Discussing all topics of sexuality. It was an amazing show, and I know that it's that it's hugely missed. We miss you, but you moved down to Melbourne to pursue other exciting, we could say, media-related uh, projects. I did actually. I didn't know what was coming, but when I got there, I actually went down to deal with a few health issues, and I've wrote a book and I started to do stand-up while I was there, comedy. So. A few creative ventures, writing and stand-up comedy. Which is sort of the opposite about uh, to what we are here to talk about because <laughs> uh, a big part of your life has been hidden, hasn't it, from the rest of the world. I mean, radio is a great way for any of us to hide, you know, if, if we want to, as such as the person, you know, who we are. We can be anyone we want to on radio. But you had a much bigger story, didn't you? Mm. Don't you? Which is part of, I guess, why you wrote this book. Give us an insight into what you're about. Because you're extra, extra, extra special. Don't you think your auntie's extra special? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, that was $10 or 20 Did you want for that? Uh, well, I, I wrote a book. So it's called Electro Girl. And uh, uh, Rach is right when she says, sorry, Sister... Ra- 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 you don't even know my I name. I don't know your friends. name on the show. Sister Rossella. Sister Rossella, sorry. Uh, I... I went to Melbourne to, because I was diagnosed with epilepsy uh, many, many moons ago. So I'm 45 now, loud and proud, and I was diagnosed at 19. However, I was hiding those symptoms of epilepsy since I was 14 from everyone because I just was really embarrassed and didn't want to... I didn't, I didn't actually want to know what was going on, so I decided to hide it um, and deal with it myself. How do you hide something like that? <laughs> I mean, you did a pretty good job because none of us knew either. But yeah, back then. Yes. Back then was a little bit easier because in my teenage years, uh, the triggers that make me have seizures weren't so evident. So late nights, alcohol, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Um, I was still at school, so they weren't. the triggers weren't so great then. So it was easier to hide because uh, they weren't happening that often. And in saying that, I w- didn't have the big grand mal tonic-clonic seizures back as a teenager. I just had what I call, referred to as head hiccups, uh, which was a misfiring of the brain, and so you would sort of jerk. You, you know when you hiccup sometimes, you black out for that split second and you could be holding something and it would drop, or even when you're just about to fall asleep and you have that jolt... You know, does that happen to you? So when you're really tired and you're just about to fall asleep and then you jolt back awake, that's sort of what it feels like um, when I'm having those little jerky things. What did you think was going on at the time? I mean, you know, as a, a young 14-year-old, did you just think that it was that normal and those sorts of things? Because your doctor seemed to think it was... What did they think? Oh, no, that wasn't till later on. Yeah, yeah I didn't yep. tell... 
the doctors or mum or my sisters. So if they if I would get up and have a shower, so temperature can like quick temperature changes uh, were what was going on back then. So I would get up, have a shower, wash my hair, and the heat uh, of the of the shower would um, sort of like fry my brain to go and and it would jolt, you know. So if I was holding the shampoo bottle or the soap, it would drop to the floor um, or I would just drop to the floor, um, but I'd never go fully unconscious. And mum heard these and she would always be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah I've just dropped the shampoo bottle. Just, you know, I never actually told her what was going on. And I just want to bring your mum into this part of the the conversation because the book is dedicated, your book, Electra Girl, to the most devoted angel in your life, your mum. So Helen Chait, for always providing you with a room in her house, love, nourishment, generosity, uncompromised support on every level, and the special Jewish pickles she supplied you with on tap, which helped to make the book even more awesome because it's the food show. Just please, before we go any further, tell us about the Jewish pickles. The Jewish pickles. They are... Uh, unlike any other pickle, I don't even know how they make them. I I can't replicate them. It's it's a it's a taste. They're different. There's you've got the Russian pickles and you've got the sort of the German pickles. Very different pickles. The Russian pickles are a bit more dill based, yeah. And the German ones have this. I don't know. I, I don't I don't even know. But they're always in her house in a fridge. If she knows I'm coming or staying. There's pickles all the time. Bless. Bless. So Electro Girl is the name of the book. There's a, a movie out at the moment called Wonder Woman, and I think there should be a movie out called <laughs> Electro Girl because it's far more realistic and educational and inspiring. Um, tell us, who's like, who is Electro Girl? I mean, she is you, but who is Electro Girl? How did she come about? So there's actually a chapter in there called The Jig Is Up, uh, and that was when Mum actually saw me drop to the ground and... And I had to come clean, and that was that was probably four years after things had already started, yeah. And uh, I had to go into hospital and have electrodes stuck to my head, and I had basically had to be in hospital for as long as it took for me to have a seizure, so they could read exactly where it was coming from, and that could be weeks, or it could have been a day, or you know. So while I was in the hospital, I saw. I mean, there were obviously other people going through the same thing and I'd never seen anything like that. And this chick in the next room had a seizure and um, I was scared out of my wits because I'd never heard or seen one before. And so I invented her because I was in, in my room with this turban on my head um, and just like going, uh, I've, I need someone strong to be with me, you know, because I don't know if I'm going to get through this without someone, like with, without my inner an inner strength so I invented her electro girl to help me deal with this what was coming little did I know there are many different forms of epilepsy aren't there there's 40 different types of epilepsy and you know the medical industry basically says if you have one seizure you're not necessarily an epileptic if you have another seizure within like a month of having that first seizure they're just you are automatically an epileptic that's it. It's two strikes and you're out. But there could be so many different types. So mine's the where I lose consciousness. Um, some people just get auras, so they get smells. 
certain smells that aren't actually there. So it's that's why they need to know which part of the brain it's coming from. Some people can hear sounds. Some people have visions. Um, if, oh, I wish I had that. <laughs> God, I've been ripped off, really. Uh, but, yeah, so mine is, is the generalised. So they don't actually know where it comes from, but they're just going, you've got it, you've got to deal with it. You're the only one in your family that you know of that has this. What about history of, of family? Is that hard to trace, you know, your, his, your family history? Well, medically? it is because half of my family perished in the Holocaust, so there's no trace of really um, any medical history. And my the other half of my family, they've only got one person that they can trace epilepsy back to, but it's, he's not blood-related. So that that's interesting, but there's absolutely no one. However, epilepsy is, uh, for some people, an environmental thing. It can happen from stress, it can happen from anxiety, it can happen from emotional stuff. The brain is so complicated and so complex that if you're not dealing with your stress, the stress in your life well, your brain can just misfire. Like anyone can have a seizure. We're all made up the same. It's just, and this is where food, we'll get into that. Food, uh, some foods actually make your brain misfire more than other foods because you kept you kept a lot of journals didn't you which has helped you to write this book and there's some beautiful journal entries that you've entered into this book that Mm. just take you exactly back to you know that moment and and how you're feeling when you were first diagnosed though um i mean and the years leading on from that how how the family around you did they want to help you did you resist their help like you know how did it kind of how did that dynamic work from 19 when i had to go on medicine um no one knew anything about epilepsy, you know. I, I didn't know, my family didn't know. So we were basically at the mercy of the doctors. And I always intuitively knew that what how they were doing things wasn't good for me. Um, so my family was just like, well, we don't know. They know. They're the experts. We've got to listen to them, you know. And I was still living with mum. I was under her roof. And I, basically I couldn't fight anymore to do it my way because my way wasn't working so well. So I just sort of conformed and that was the hardest eight years of my life, really. What did the medications do to you? Oh, I lost hair, like clumps, depression, uh, put on buttloads of weight, probably put on, on one particular medication about 30 kilos. Yeah, you just have no drive, no sex drive, no drive everything because they're designed to keep you at an even keel no highs no lows just everything is the way is is just the same and knowing you I don't (laughs) think you'd settle for that no no I was like this cannot be this can't be so I did it their way Uh, I was in a really bad relationship as well so that was sort of adding to so even though I wasn't having seizures I was a fat depressed uh, you know being and I just woke up one day and went okay this can't be it and I just I had to leave everyone back behind in Melbourne and say I know you're going to hate this but I have to leave I'm getting off this medicine and I have to find out why I've got it I have to I know that there's a reason that I've got this I know it's related to my emotional health I've got to find out 
why. And so that's when the journaling start. And I bought a combi for oh, 500 bucks and um, drove up here. Uh, we are here on the Belly Show in the Belly Kitchen uh, with Lainey Chait, the author of the amazing book, Electro Girl, Living a symbiotic existence with epilepsy and the story is that you jumped in a combi van that you bought and headed up here for alternative existence I guess to your uh, medical you know treatment of epilepsy I figured that there had to be more to to this condition uh, people call it an illness people call it a disease people call it uh, lots of things I just call it uh, a condition and I just figured there had to be peop like-minded people that I couldn't possibly be the only one in the whole world that thinks that their illnesses are stemmed from what the medical industry want you to believe, which is just your symptoms. So I basically left my family behind um, and said, I'm, I have to go on this journey and find out. And they were nervous because I was driving, um, but I was seizure-free, so if you're... Uh, if you're, I think in Victoria, if you're six months seizure free, you can have your license, but you have to check in every year and that's fair enough. Uh, so I, yeah, so I came and basically found the Happy Herb Company and f got into a relationship and basically used his place as a rehab clinic to get, wean myself off all the meds, which was thousands of milligrams of three different medications or something. How, how did you feel like yourself? I mean, is that a scary prospect as much as you want, you know, to do this and stand alone and fight the medical profession? How easy is it to wean yourself off of medication that I guess even you're led to believe is kind of saving your life? It is really difficult. It's really difficult because you become that. You, you bec your body becomes reliant on it. You know, they usually say if you're two years seizure free, uh, you can maybe start to wean yourself off, you know, to start to begin, you know, after two years. But people are too scared. The medical industry is very clever. Like it keeps you in a perpetual foundation of fear. I don't know if they even do it purposely. I just think it's that they believe in the system. You know, they believe that you need this to deal with the symptoms and they're absolutely right but it's what's underneath the symptoms that's causing the problems you know the symptoms are just there what's there in, in people's faces I found out quite easily that mine were triggered off by relationships with men because when my dad left it started when my dad left at 14 ah the plot thickens so when my dad left these symptoms started and they've been triggered by these relationships and how long did it take you to figure that out i had to get off the meds first so and then start journaling like and what i put in the journals was you know around these all the symptoms who was i you know what was i eating who was i talking with who you know um, had I gone out the night before, you know, drink, smoke, all that, you know, any sort of ex recreational drugs um, and also fights with partners. And they were always around um, feeling insecure, feeling unsupported, feeling, you know, the abandonment stuff. What, what about food? What, what relationship or what uh, significance did that have as far as triggers and things go? 
food. I didn't actually learn until I was a little bit older. But again, that's sort of a, um, a representation of what most people can, you know, don't think about. They don't think about the immediate thing that they're putting into their bodies. It's always something kind of from the outside that might be causing something. I'm not so much now because, you know, we get a little bit more educated. Well, I knew because I met, so when I was 28 and I, and I met the people from the Happy Herb Company, I started to learn about herbs. So that was my sort of initiation into the fact that herbs can actually you know take the excitory so okay so something like msg right is actually made from um, an amino acid called glutamate yeah and we've all got that in our systems and that's the excitory amino acid and gaba is the uh, inhibitory amino acid so if your gaba and your glutamate are, are working perfectly in sync with each other your fight or flight response will be balanced yeah you'll you'll have enough gaba to calm you down and you'll have when you're, you're down you'll have enough glutamate to lift you back up again yep so foods like aspartame um, all those revolting sweeteners and msg and all the things that are made from that amino acid glutamate actually excite your neurons and your synapses and they actually like so they add more excitement into your body you know and into your brain and so for people with a seizure threshold that isn't so high that sort of stuff is really really bad like you should absolutely keep away from that because you don't want any more excitement to come into your brain to make it misfire and spaz out and that would have taken you on a whole another journey because then you have to actually stop and learn about what's in your food yes which is mammoth mammoth which again might just be too much for some people they might just you know want to take more of an easy road out I guess if there is one which is that little bit of medication that just stops it all you don't have to go any further than that but you're not like that are you Lainey? I guess not (laughs) it's a huge commitment and and the the upside of it is that I've 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 had my freedom I've learned so much I've learned about the brain and I don't take anything for granted in in my body but the downside of it if any is that I got too addicted to what was going on to trying to heal myself yeah too obsessive thinking that I could cure myself I was like yes there's this and if I just do this then I'll stop having seizures and if I just eat this and if I just do this and a kinesiology and I went on all these modalities of you know probing and and even in my book I said I I heard that there was a coffee enemas that were were really good (laughs) that I would got have had something shoved up my ass if it meant I would stop having seizures but of course it doesn't and so I would feel like failure it would be this whole failure okay next thing um still having a seizure okay okay failure and then so it would so I became sort of obsessive about trying to cure myself when in fact the the whole thing is you can't cure it you just have to manage it and it took me a long time to work that out and a lot of pressure I put on myself you know because I wanted to be the chick that you know cured epilepsy and have my name in lights and you'll have your name in lights anyway (laughs) (laughs) maybe not for that but but who knows maybe because you know the, the the journey always continues doesn't it Get a free education in Byron Bay culture on Bay FM 99.9.
You can't change your future, but you can change your habits. And seriously, your habits will change your future. The wonderful wisdom of an eight-year-old that was actually from Dr. Abdul Halam. And that's in your book, Lainey, talking about changing habits and, and things. We're talking to Lainey Chait here, who is Electro Girl. Living a Symbiotic Existence with Epilepsy is the book that we have here, your first book. And we've just been discussing epilepsy and your journey with it and some of the triggers and all kinds of other things related. But um, we've kind of gotten to the point of, yeah, of you recognizing what things trigger your epilepsy and what you can do, you know, yourself to sort of guide, you know, guide yourself through it a little bit more smoothly, would you say? Or, mm. or is that never the case? Uh, I don't think it's ever the case. Our brains are pretty unpredictable. So, you know, even though we get up in the morning and everything is so subconscious what we do, yeah, but without uh, the health of our brain, we would actually be vegetables, right? And I, don't, I, think, I think we don't quite understand. Until, until you have issues with your brain, I don't think you quite understand how lucky you are if your brain works properly. <laughs> Yeah, because even from brushing your teeth or things like that, if if the if the the neurons aren't firing correctly, you don't even have control over anything that you do. I think the hardest thing for me has been acceptance, uh, and and it still is. I still struggle with it. I cannot accept that I have this aff affliction, and I'm not sure what the block is. I really don't know. It's like, and people go, well, big deal, you know, big deal. And I go, well, I know, but I sort of, I, I sort of, I don't want to be this vulnerable. I don't want to rely on, I don't want to have a big seizure in public. And, you know, I don't think you quite understand what that feels like. Mm. So what I do now is I just try, the, I just try and... And look, I don't have a halo. I don't know if you can see, but I'm not wearing it today. Uh, I don't have a halo, so I want to be able to enjoy my life. And sometimes that's going to mean that I do things that are going to probably trigger something in the morning. Absolutely burning to ask this question. Have you learnt, are there specific types of men to avoid? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, narcissists. Yes. Uh, so I, I've, I've re realised that one. But ones that I guess uh, have their own agenda, you know, I think I need a supportive man. Uh, my self-worth wasn't so fabulous before, so I attracted that. So the lack of self-worth and, and the embarrassment, I was like, oh, well, who's going to love me with epilepsy, you know, so I'll just take any dickhead on the street. But if there's any really solid, amazing men out there for my beautiful friend Lainey, we better get in the queue. We're taking calls now. No, not really. <laughs> oh. So Lainey, bring it around to the food here because, um, you know, the Belly Show is all about food and this has played a, a fairly big role as well in it where you've tried various diets or, you know, things that people might have suggested and how's all that gone for you? So there's two two main diets I've just researched them because they're quite strict there's a diet I don't know Matt you've probably heard of this during the belly show the ketogenic diet have you mm -hmm. heard of that diet high fat minimal amount of protein and very very low carbs and the point of that that was introduced in 1920 the ketogenic diet actually that was well before 
uh, anti-epileptic medication was on the scene and they were using this to try and curb seizures in people. So, uh, so usually, as you guys would know and your listeners would know, carbs are made, you know, from sugars uh, that fuel your body. So that's where people get their energy. Sugars for people with compromised brains are really bad because it, it, it excites the neurons. The low-carb diet is essential. And on this ketogenic diet, it's high in fat because fat is thought to, uh, to actually inhibit those excitatory neurons, you know. They still haven't found, they still haven't done enough scientific research to say this is exactly why and why and why. Um, butter, like really high fat, really high fatty acid stuff. Um, butter creams, mayonnaises, things like that. And they have at least a half, a 50% success rate with kids that are on it, um, reducing seizures and 10 to 15% never have a seizure again. They recommend it for about two years, but it's not a lot of people see it through because it is so strict, so strict. Parents just go, I can't do this. This is like, and you need a dietitian because they have to work out ratios and things like that. It's really, Especially in really growing weird. children as well. Yeah. Well, this is it. Um, because it's lacking in so many vitamins and minerals, they have to have huge amounts of supplementation if they go on this diet because mm. of fats. Which are synthetic. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of synthetic supplements out there. Yes. Yeah. And then there was another one called the Atkins diet. That's mm. the high protein one. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So still low carbs, high fat, but also very like high protein. Um, it doesn't get the same success rate as the ketogenic diet, but it's uh, it d definitely reduces seizures. And you went on a blood diet, blood type diet as well? Yes, eat right for your blood type. What else did I do? Uh, I never actually stopped eating meat. Some would say that. Because how long did like these trials last for you? You know, you want instant, um, you know. Gratification. Yeah, I mean, you try something and you do it for a week. It's a little bit like, I guess, people going on a diet to lose weight. You know, you really want to see results really fast. And when you don't, you get a little bit you know, oh, is this really worth it? And then, you know, you kind of sink back down again. How, how long do you give yourself? Uh, a, few, a few months, definitely. I, I remember making the association when I was 28 that red, whenever I drank red wine, the next morning I would be really misfiry, like in my head, possibly even have like a, a grand mal seizure. So I stopped drinking red wine. And it's things like that. Like I had a glass of red wine for the first time in 17 years, two weeks ago, but I was still going, oh. But anyway, so they're the two diets um, that are sort of out there that, that, the, that the experts recommend. But what I found um, is other amino acids and vitamins and um, like cayenne pepper, fabulous for the brain. Um, well, because that's, you know, being so hot and spicy, sometimes that increases the metabolism, which can, I thought, maybe excite you. So that works? It's, it um, must be something in there? It is. It's, it stimulates your body's circulation. So the, the brain needs, well, basically the, the brain's fuel is, is blood. So it has to have good, oxygenated, healthy blood. And cayenne actually does that for the body. So it, it aids in the circulation and that will feed healthy good blood into the brain same with go to cola so they oxygenate um i actually got a tattoo of that on my anyway uh 
so yeah, cayenne and, and goju cola are uh, detoxifiers. So they help feed in good blood to the brain. I know that you were at the very forefront of trying medical marijuana, um, as in CBD oil, the actual oil itself, and there was nothing and no information out there as to how you would go about that. So how did these people and these, these things kind of you know, come, or did you just have to go head first and delve into it and just see what happened? It was a little bit like that. I, I had to find, because n- no one basically was on the, the mission that I I was on it was you know people were sort of would look and go oh god it just looks so excruciating you know but even even people that would see me sort of fall get up fall get up both metaphorically and you know physically still understood the plight that I had to under that I had to get to the bottom of this you know myself um, and it was excruciating for them, but the meant the people along the way I met was uh, a lady, an integrative uh, health nurse in Mullumbimby called Anne Mary, and she got me out of that spiritual hippie cure aspect and brought me into science. And um, and another guy called Torsten, who and who there was a shop called Coda here, mm. yeah. Uh, he was one of the owners of that. So he got me into thinking about the science of the brain and how it actually works, yeah, and to get out of this hippie thing that I was in that Reiki could, you know, moxa sticks could, you know, which well, of course they could. Well, who worth a try. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, but they got me thinking about the science of the brain, so I'm very grateful for that because um, I've been fascinated by it ever since. But the medical marijuana, I was sort of got into wanted to get into myself as my last resort I thought I'm gonna have to go back on meds but I'm not gonna go out without this last little fight and because it wasn't even spoken about this was like five years ago or something wasn't even in the news I had to sort of source it myself and make it myself self-prescribe self-diagnose and that was a big mistake big mistake I think you'd try it again if you had someone that was, you know, because it, it is being used in some forms of epilepsy now in children, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely try it again. But it is a science. And I just want to sort of re- reiterate to, to your listeners that uh, it is still a medicine like any other medicine. It is advertised out there as a miracle cure, actually. Um, but everyone's different. You know, I want to I don't know, I guess bring bring the point across that it is medicine, it's an absolutely brilliant medicine, but you have to it has to mesh in with what you're experiencing. So it may not work, you know. It just yep. may not work. People will do anything no matter how absurd to avoid facing their own souls. Would you agree with this, Lainey Chait? Yes, I'm living proof of it, my darling. Living proof. <laughs> So if you've just tuned in, we have been talking to the lovely Lainey Chait. Um, it's about her book, Electro Girl, which is all about living with epilepsy. We're kind of coming to the here and now, really, where you're at, Lainey Chait, because you're no stranger to the stage either, mm. are you, to make people laugh? No. I sort of left here three years ago so to write this book, Go Back on Medication, which I still find hard to say out loud, but <laughs> I guess I have to go back on medication. 
uh, uh, but I'm actually managing it hol holistically now. So a lot of it I'm doing myself and I'm on the minimal dose, which is exactly how I want it to be. I sort of decided to get up on stage and start doing stand-up comedy in Melbourne and I've been enjoying it actually and I'm about to write a show about living with epilepsy for the Melbourne Comedy Festival next year and then take it on tour. Well, you've got a great blog as well because you've got some funny things up on the blog. I do. I, uh, I, oh, oh, by the way, uh, thanks for all the people that, that rang in to want, to want the book. Um, it is available online on my website. I'll just do a bit of plug. www.electrogirl.com.au. So is you that can... an electric plug? <laughs> <laughs> Boom, tish. <laughs> I should be. I should be doing stand up. You I really should. shouldn't. I you really should. Ah, <laughs> oh, the beauty of community radio. Hey, we'd be able to share the reality of life. Absolutely. And thanks. Thanks for bringing this to the, the to the to the airwaves. You know. Um, well, you you're bringing it to us, Amy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, but I'll come up here with I'll, on a travelling tour with the show. So next yep. year and back back on Bay FM hopefully as well. Absolutely.